I do believe that premise is, is accurate, that most businesses do fail because they don't have operating procedures. How do we make process implementation really easy for entrepreneurs? Welcome to the Regenerative Warrior Podcast, Doctor's Edition. One of the fastest growing regenerative medicine and anti-aging podcasts in the world. Each and every Tuesday and Thursday, I talk to the top experts to show doctors how to market, manage, and magnify their practice to help more people and make more money. Each episode is short and to the point without wasting your time with pointless conversation. Learn the skills to be successful without traveling to seminars or paying for expensive consulting fees. Are you ready? Because I am. I'm Dr. Ross Carter, and it's time to start the Regenerative Warrior Podcast now. Two things before we get started. The views expressed by our guests are not necessarily those of Dr. Carter or this podcast. One of our podcast partners has just announced special pricing for our listeners. Wharton's Jelly Allograph for $475 per cc. You heard that right, only $475. White papers are available. This is for a limited time, so act now. Why pay double or triple the price from other providers? To learn more or to order, text your name and the word JELLY, J-E-L-L-Y, to 561-962-1231. Write that down. It's 561-962-1231. On with the show. Most businesses don't work because they are people dependent rather than process dependent. So they start out with one or two people, things are going well, the business grows to four or five people, and then because there are no documented procedures, there's very little training, very little management, people don't know what to do, people don't know how to do it, people don't know what is expected of them, and it becomes a people dependent company. So as people leave, it's a big setback for the company. And while some businesses do grow. They get lucky by getting good people. Most businesses don't because they get people who don't know what to do. And then you hear the entrepreneur who says, I just can't get good employees. There are no good employees is what a lot of entrepreneurs say. And so the book is based upon this principle that, that to grow, if you want to get beyond four, five, if you want to get to 10 employees, if you want to build your business up to a million dollars, two million dollars, you really have to have documented operating procedures that can be used to not only hire people, but to train them and to manage them and to evaluate them. So we used to be business consultants, and what we found was that uh, while there was a lot of good theory when we were delivering all this as consultants, after 12, 18 months, our clients would spend tens of thousands of dollars, but they wouldn't have operating procedures and job descriptions implemented. So we decided to focus there because I do believe that premise is, is accurate, that most businesses do fail because they don't have operating procedures. And those businesses that have grown with operating procedures, what we were finding is that their operating procedures were all over the place. They, you know, they had training videos, training audios, checklists, PDF files, Excel spreadsheets, documents. They were stored in Google Docs. They were stored in Dropbox. They were stored on local servers, on intranets, and nobody could find what they're looking for. And so while they made good efforts after they'd done it for a while, it was what we call SOP chaos. And so we really started to focus there on how do we make process implementation really easy for entrepreneurs. 
we were at a big family dinner over Thanksgiving, and my mother-in-law was sitting at the head of the table, and I was explaining this to my sister-in-law. And my sister-in-law was pretty interested listening to me, and my mother-in-law sort of spoke up. She goes, oh, job descriptions and processes are boring, boring things. <laughs> and I just went, oh, you're so right. But then I said, but it's the implementation of these things that is to be celebrated. They are boring things. But if you don't have them, your business is going to consume you as the entrepreneur. And Michael used to say this, is that the only reason to own a business is to get more of what you want from life. And most entrepreneurs, business owners, do not get more of what they want from life because their business tends to consume them and they fail to see their kids grow up and they fail to spend time with their wife. They can't really take a vacation because to go away means that, you know, the boss is not there and things fall apart. And it doesn't have to be that way. So if you've got effective management, if you've got effective training, if you've got really good processes for hiring, onboarding, training, managing, and evaluating, you can actually scale your business and still keep control and be calling in for the numbers from the British Virgin Islands for lack of a better metaphor, you, you know, to actually not have to be there and still make a profit. We actually have a software application that's designed to make process implementation easy. Tell us more about the concept of systems and why they're critical, why a business, if they implement these systems, can help with success and why when you don't, it can mean disaster. Well, imagine that you are hiring someone. And let's just talk about a hiring system. Most managers or owners do not want to hire people because they don't have time. So what they do is they keep someone on board. They keep someone in the company who simply isn't achieving their expectations. So let's say I have a salesperson, and that salesperson is my expectation. If he was doing what he needs to do, if he could do it like me, he could sell $10,000 a month. So I hire someone thinking, this is simple. They you can do it. Just do what I do. I don't have any documented processes. You can just do what I do. Just, you know, shadow me, listen to what I say. And so we go through the routine. And I think he's trained. And so now he starts working. Well, first of all, he's going to be constantly interrupting me because he didn't really understand. So he's constantly coming in saying, hey, Mike, you got a minute? And a got a minute meeting is never a minute. It takes a long time. So now I'm spending all this time training him, training him, training him. And studies show that when I'm talking to you, you're going to hear about 18% of what I tell you. So for him to get it, I'm going to have to tell him five times. And it's probably more than that over and over and over again. Now, maybe some of those guys are going to get it, but most are not going to get it. Many are not going to get it. So I expect this guy to sell $10,000 a month. It's now month two, and he sells $2,000. And I'm just going, okay, I just got to give him time. Month three, he sells $2,500. Month four, he sells $2,500. Month five, he sells $2,000. And I just think, oh, if I fire him, I'm going to have to go through this whole hiring and training process again. So I don't. And I let him go on and on and on. And I might even say, well, he's only a commissioned salesperson, so it's not really costing me. But it's the opportunity cost. If he's supposed to be selling $10,000 a month, if I had someone in here who was selling $10,000 a month and he's only selling $2,000 a month, I'm losing $8,000 a month in sales. People don't really recognize that. So two things are happening. Number one, he's not meeting expectations because he doesn't have 
the instructions. He's winging it. He's, he doesn't know how to do it. And I'm probably not managing him because I don't have a management process. I don't know how to manage. I'm probably just getting upset with him for not doing what he's supposed to do. How come you can't do it like I can do it? You should be able to sell $10,000. It's easy. Come on. And we have this blame game that starts to happen. Let's reverse that. Let's say we have a hiring process. We have a very clear job description with all of the processes that this person's going to need to follow. So before someone even gets hired, they see everything that they're going to have to do and how to do it and what is expected of them. And they go, okay, well, I think I can do that. And they send in their resumes and someone scans these resumes and makes uh, little three-minute telephone calls. It's not me. It's uh, it's a manager who's basically, we've got a process. They ask two or three questions in the telephone interview, and those two or three questions are scripted. We do it the same way every time, and we've found that if we do this, we can find four or five candidates. Of maybe 100 people that sent in resumes, maybe we did 25 phone calls, which is only going to take a, an hour or two, and someone else is doing it anyway. And now we have four or five candidates, and they come in and they go through an interview process that, again, is scripted. These are the same questions we ask each candidate, and we actually score them. And so we interview, we take about an hour with each of these people, and we talk a little bit about the company, we talk a little bit about the position, we talk a little bit about what they're going to be doing, and then we ask them questions. We might even have a test for them of some sort. And then we hire them. So now we've got an interview system that is working. And secondly, when we hire them, we have an onboarding system. So we have a whole process that makes sure that we've got business cards for them, that we've got their computer set up, that we've got them into their email system set up. We've got all these things. It's just a checklist. Check, 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 check. I got all these items set up for this person to come on board. And then he comes in and we've got three or four people in the company that are training him on these documented processes that are part of his job description. And Janice, trains him on these three processes and I train him as the boss on these two processes and Will trains him on these other processes. So now the training is split up among other people and we only have to tell him once because all of these processes are on a clickable link on their job description. So if they need to go to uh, how to make a referral sales call, they click on that process and everything they need is right there. So we've actually walked through it with them and said, so does that make sense to you? Do you think you can do it? Do you have any questions about this? And they say, no, I got it. Great. Well, I only have to tell him once because if he needs to know more, it's right there. If he comes into my office and he says, hey, Mike, you know, I'm a little confused about that process for making those referral calls. I say, go back to the process, Will. Check it out. If you still have a question, come back to me. So that's training. Now we're a month into the process and I'm spot checking him and I'm making sure he's following the process. And I have expectations. I say, well, if you're making these referral calls, if you talk to 10 of our clients, you should be able to get five referrals. If you get five referrals, you should be able to set up three appointments. If you set up three appointments, you should be able to close one deal. And each one of these are processes, how to make a referral call, how to go through the initial appointment, how to convert the sale. These are all processes. And we have sample scripts. We have suggestions. We've trained him. So now we have expectations. So it's two months later, and he's not closing one deal a month from referral calls. And so I call Will into my office, and I say, hey, Will, I just noticed that you haven't been closing one deal a month. 
And we would have expected that by now through this referral call process. What's going on? Is the process working for you? Remember, we've got the process, right? Are you following the process? And a couple of things could happen. He goes, oops, I forgot about that. And I said, no problem. Let's go back. I just want to make sure you know where it is. Let's review it one more time. Or he might say, you know, I'm trying. It's just not working for me. And I go, well, curious. Let's, let's, it works for Sarah and Fred. wonder why it's not working for you. Let's work on that together. So to manage him, I simply have to hold him accountable to the processes and to the expectations I have of the process. And it either is going to work or it's not going to work. And if it's not going to work, why? It's either because he isn't following the process, in which case he probably won't be around for very long. I'm going to probably let him go after 90 days. And it's not a problem to let him go because I have another hiring process. I can quickly get someone in behind him. It's not an emotional, frustrating, like, oh, how, where am I going to find the time to do this? It's easy. It's a system. If he is trying to follow the process and simply can't do it, I'm going to let him go because it just didn't work out for you. And it's a better thing for him. It's not a difficult thing to, to let him go, to fire him. I'm going to say, hey, Will, you know what? It's just, it's never going to work out. This job wasn't for you. I'm sorry. But look, we've tried, and you are trying to follow the process, and it's just not working. And if you're trying to follow the process and it's not working, it's probably never going to work. So best to let you go at this point. And that would be like typically we have a 60-day period or a 90-day period review period. And that is also a process where we would sit down and check in. There's one other piece to this. Imagine if while I'm training him, I'm paying attention to how much time each of my employees are taking to train him. So I know it takes an hour to train this process, two hours to train this process, three hours to train this process. And while I'm training him, I just log that time. So now I know that to train him in these eight or 12 processes, it takes maybe 40 hours. And I can say, well, how much is my time worth and Sarah's and Jeff's time for training? And I can actually come up with a cost for how much it's going to cost me to fully train this new employee, which is really a valuable piece of information to know because if I want to hire someone now, I can say, you know, it's going to cost me this much money to train this new person and get them up to speed. But if I'm going through the first two weeks, three weeks of training, and it's only really supposed to take 40 hours to train this person, and we are not even halfway through it, it's been 40 hours of training, I'm going to say, you know what, I'm probably going to cut my losses. Why is it taking me so long to train this individual? It shouldn't take this long. And that's going to be something that will be very evident to me very quickly. It's an emergency, really, if you don't have processes, because we have no control. We just lose control. We have no hiring process. We have no training process. We have no management processes. We just hire someone on gut instinct, and it costs us a fortune, and we don't even know how much it costs us. And then we start losing control, and it's just this state of frustration for the business owner. Again, it's probably not something that is going to frustrate a business that's doing one hundred dollars or $200,000 in annual revenue. But if they start getting up to a million, five million, if you want to get up to a $5 million, $10 million company, you're just going to either have to burn out to do it or you're going to want to do it the smart way, which would be to implement your operating procedures. What's the best way to create a system? Let's start with that. So if somebody's like, you know what, I do need to create systems. I don't know how to do it. How do I create a system? 
there are a couple of ways. Let's talk about creating a system, and then let's follow that with how do I systemize my entire business or create procedures. Uh, we use the word in the e-myth, they use the word systemize my business. And systemize my business really means getting everything in your business documented into procedural terms. How you answer the phone, how you handle a customer complaint, everything that happens in the business as best as possible uh, gets into a document that is then used for training your people. But let's first address the question, how do I actually write a system or a procedure? There are a number of ways to do this. First of all, you want to keep it simple. If you try to go too deep, then it can become completely overwhelming. So for example, let's say that you and I are sitting down and you're a robot. You're sitting down in my house and I say, can you hand me that magazine? And you're a robot. So you say, no, I can't do that. I'm sorry. And I say, how come? And you say, well, there's a coffee cup on top of the magazine. And I say, oh, well, take the coffee cup off the magazine and hand me the magazine. And you say, well, I can't do that. And I say, why? And you say, well, because now I'm holding the coffee cup. I don't have a hand available to hand you the magazine. I say, okay, well, take the coffee cup, put it down, hand me the magazine. And you say, I can't. Basically, you see that this is like writing code, right? When you are working with an employee, it's a human being, and human beings are very smart. The human brain is very smart. So if you and I, the human being, is sitting down from me and I say, hey, hand me that magazine, you're going to take the coffee cup off, hand me the magazine. It's as easy as that. So you want to write processes for human beings. That's, I think, the very first step. If you get too bogged down into the detail, it can get overwhelming. And you can always add the detail later. So let's say I write the process and then I'm training you and you don't understand it. That's when I might say, oh, yeah, you know, I sort of made an assumption here. Let me just add in this extra step. Or I train you and you say you get it. And then when you're actually implementing it, it's not working. And I realize, oh, there was a step that I missed. I really should have added in there. So we can innovate it after we've written it. How do you get the processes actually written? There are lots of ways. One way is to have a prioritized list, like a table of contents that you've prioritized, and you just start writing. It takes about anywhere, depending on the complexity of the system, anywhere from 15 minutes to an hour to write a process. So you could have your managers write those processes for you. That's typically what we recommend is a manager's responsibility is to make sure that the department is achieving expectations and the way it achieves expectations is that everybody's following the processes and achieving the expectations of each one of those processes. So my responsibility is to make sure that those processes get written. And either if I'm a manager, I'm either going to write them myself or I'm going to make sure that my team collaborates with me to help them get written. So if I'm not going to write them myself and I'm going to ask my team to help me, we might have a process of the month writing meeting where I say to my, let's say I'm a sales manager with two or three sales guys and I say, okay guys, we need to write this referral process. What I want you to do is over the next week, I want you to think about how you approach referrals. What do you say? How do you know who to approach? What materials do you need? Just think about everything that you do and make notes about it. And we're going to get together for a lunch and learn next Tuesday at noon. We're going to bring in lunch and we're going to sit down and we're going to throw it all up in the whiteboard. And so next Tuesday we get together, the two or three salespeople have all brought their notes and I'm going to say, so what works for you, Jeff? And what works for you, Sarah? And we're going to just write it all up. It's going to be a brainstorming session on the board. And I'm probably going to have an assistant in there if I can, who's going to be taking all these notes down from the whiteboard and then going to craft it into a system. And then once we've got it crafted into a system, we'll roll it out to all 
all the salespeople the next week and see how it works. And we require that they follow this process. Sorry for the interruption again. To find out more about this speaker, become a speaker on our show, have Dr. Carter present at your event or podcast, learn more about coaching, consulting, tissue allographs, exosomes, supplements, legal health, or how to create a million-dollar business card and dominate your area, we're here to help you. Just text your name and any question to 561-962-1231. Write that down. That's 561-962-1231. Or go to our website at drrosscarter.com to learn more. Don't forget about our current $475 Warden's Jelly Special. On with the show. We actually had a client uh, who was a real estate agent, had 25 agents. You know, real estate agencies are brokerage houses. Are, are They're sort of crazy places because real estate agents, some are there because they're married and their husbands work and they just are looking for something to do and they're just going to sell a house or two every few months and they're, they're not really committed. So this guy had 25 agents, probably three or four of them, maybe five of them were doing 80% of the selling, 80% of the homes and getting those listings. And the rest were really doing very little, but it cost him a lot to have those people there. And because they weren't selling, it cost him a lot there because he wasn't getting the commissions, but it could also be that they're frustrated. So he actually had a contest and he created, this is another way, he created five teams and on the captain of each team, he put one of his top brokers, his top real estate agents. On the uh, other teams, he just split up all the rest of the people. So he had five teams of five, and he had a top producer on each one of those teams. And he said, what I need you guys to do is create a listing presentation. And there's only one rule. The one rule is that the greenest person on your team has to give that listing presentation. So I need you to come back in a week, and the greenest person on your team is going to give a listing presentation. So it's sort of cool. These uh, five teams were competing. There was a lot of camaraderie around on each team. And a week later, they came together on a Friday afternoon. And he was a judge. His father, who was the previous owner of the company, was a judge. And then he had one of his mortgage or title guys or something, one of his vendors that he works with, a title guy or a mortgage guy, who came in to judge the contest. And they had five presentations. And when they were giving the presentations, Carl, who was the business owner, he had someone taking notes and listening to everything each one of these rookies were delivering. And they ended up picking a winner and had a great, I think it was like a weekend in San Francisco for the winning team and their spouses. So it was, you know, it was really fun. But he took all these notes home that were taken from all the presentations and he put together all the nuggets and he crafted a like a little three to five minute listing presentation and then he came back and he rolled it out to all 25 agents and his sales skyrocketed as a result of this because everybody now had something to follow to help them win. So that's how they wrote a process. One last way how to get a process written. Let's say I've hired a salesperson. I don't have my referral process written, but I just hired you to be my new salesperson. I'm going to say, you know what? I don't have this process written yet, but we need to get it written. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to train you today. So go grab a pad of paper and a pen, and I want you to write down what I'm telling you. And then I'm going to give you some time this afternoon to take that information and log it into uh, make a Word document from it. And then I'm going to walk through the process with you, and you're madly taking notes. Think about this. 
you're probably really listening hard. That whole, I cited a statistic a few minutes ago about when I'm talking to someone, they really only retain about 18% of what you tell them. My guess is that you would be retaining about 80% of what I tell you because I'm responsible for writing this up after I leave this room. So I'm really going to, wait, stop. You know, what did you say? So how do you get from this step to this step? So you're really going to pay attention to me when I'm explaining the system. And then you're going to take those scribbled notes and you're going to write them up into a document. And then as you're writing that document, you're going to say to yourself something like, well, how did he get from here to here? Hmm. Tomorrow, you're going to bring that document into me and we're going to go through it together. So now you can ask me these questions. Well, Mike, how did you get from this step to this step? And I'm going to go, oh, yeah, I made an assumption there, right? The way you do that is you do this and then you do that. And so we've actually reviewed it three times. I trained you on it. You took all that information and really wrote it up and said, okay, I'm going to be delivering this to Mike the next day. And then you actually delivered it to me and we reviewed it together. So not only did was it a great training session, but now we have this process documented and it would be available to anybody else. When you talk about processes, there's documentation, so getting it written down. There's implementation, so actually training someone in it. And then there's innovation. Those are three really important words, documentation, implementation, innovation. And innovation is tweaking it. And that's going to be a manager's responsibility. When he's starting to see expectations shift, we're not achieving things, we want to tweak the system because it's probably something's changed and the system's not quite working as well as it used to. Or if we know that the referral system produces one new client a month, why don't we try innovating it to see if we can get two clients a month? Let's make it better. You can't change something you can't see. If everybody's doing it differently, how do we know what works? So if we don't have a process to follow, if everybody's not doing it the same way, we can't tell what works and how to innovate anything in the business to make our business better. Excellent. How is the best way to monitor and make sure that the people that are receiving these processes and systems are actually implementing them correctly? How can you, as the owner, for example, know that? There's a great process that we used to deliver to our clients, and we actually have it available. So anybody who's listening to this, if they're interested, they could contact you and we could give it to them. It's called the one-on-one meeting process, and it's a management process. Most managers don't have any management processes. They don't know how to manage. You know, they walk around, they, you know, I manage, I walk around and I can look in someone's eyes and I can see whether or not they're, they're doing it the way they need to do it. I talk to them. Uh, there aren't any management processes. So the one-on-one management process is a great process. The one-on-one management process is a little bit different if you've got a production line. But if I've got, say, a sales team of three or four people, what I'm going to do is on a structured basis, I'm going to have one-on-one meetings. So I got four sales guys, it's me. I recommend one hour once a week. So on Tuesdays, I meet with Will. On Wednesdays, I meet with Fred. On Thursdays, I meet with Sarah. And Fridays, I meet with Jim And at different times. They know they're meeting with me at 1 o'clock or 2 o'clock on Tuesday or whatever it is. This is the structured time that we have a meeting. And we meet on time, we end on time, and there's an agenda for those meetings. This is where the manager can customize this meeting agenda, but my meeting agenda typically starts with some projects that are going on. The problem with most management meetings is that that's all they talk about. It's basically micromanaging their projects. But I basically say, do you have any questions? 
And so they bring their questions. And usually there aren't very many questions. So any project-related questions, any client-related issues, they bring up. And then there are usually two or three other things that I'm working on. But one of the key things that we bring into these meetings is process review. Not every meeting, not every week do a process review, but what I will do is at the beginning of the year, again, in our application, we've got the job description is a list of all of the processes, and by clicking on any one of these processes, all of the instructions for how to do that specific thing are there. So what I do at the beginning of the year is I mark all of the processes on a specific position's job description. I mark them as incomplete, and it turns them from black to blue. And through the year, I would say, if you were one of my salespeople, I'd say, so, Ross, what I want you to do this week and next week, we've got some time, I want you to go back to that referral process, and I want you to review it on your job description as if you don't know how to do it. You're just starting. Because there may have been some software changes, that updates that came through and, you know, on our CRM application, or there, there may be just some things that have shifted. I just want to know if we're still doing it this way. And if we're not doing it this way, can you just make some notes and bring them to me and we'll meet on it next week? And so next week we actually sit down and we meet. We go through the process. And if it's correct, if it's all good, we mark it as complete. It turns into black. And then probably next month or later this month we're going to pick another process. Or I might do this with one of the other salespeople. But my goal is that through the year I go through all of the processes on that position's job description to turn them from blue, which is incomplete, to black, which is complete. And then I know that everything's current. That helps me keep them current. Now, how do I manage people, make sure that they're following the processes? One thing is I should have some expectations around someone who is following a process, like that referral system, for example. If they're not achieving one closed deal a week or a month, which is what I expect of them if they're following the process, if they are achieving, I'm going to assume they're following the process. If they're not achieving, I'm going to assume they're not following the process or the process isn't working with them. And so then I'm going to have a conversation about it. It's not a blame game. It's not, why don't you sell us a deal a week? You're crazy. Why can't I trust you? It's, it's nothing like that. It's just like, how come you're not doing this deal? Is, is the process not working for you? It becomes a conversation around the process. We typically encourage people to not try to micromanage their people, but try to manage to expectations. The processes have expectations. If you were trained in the process and you're following the process and weekly doing the process, you don't actually have to read the process every week. You're probably doing what you do. And then, in sometimes through the year, when we either have a lunch and learn to innovate the process or I ask you to look at the process and see if you're doing it this way, it's possible that you've come up with an innovation because you haven't been following the process every day. You started by following the process every day, but then you sort of got used to it. You didn't need the process, and you started doing something different, and something different is really working. Now maybe you're doing two sales a month, and I can come to you and say, well, what are you doing differently? and we can innovate that process. The other thing that can happen is, you know, you might have a script. We use scripts here for leaving voicemail messages. So if I'm following up, we have an ebook that we offer online, and my expectation is that when someone downloads the ebook, my appointment setter actually calls this person and says, "Did you get it? And how did you hear about us?" And, you know, my boss would love to meet with you and hear more about your issues. You know, why did you want this book? Well, probably 70% of those calls go to voicemail. But we have a script for that. And it says something like, um, looks like you found us online. You downloaded this book. Just want to make sure you got it. 
make sure if you have any questions. And it'd be great if we could have a conversation with you to see, you know, what are your specific issues. So I'm going to follow up this phone call with an email. And if you'd be so kind to reply, that'd be great. And I uh, look forward to speaking with you soon. It's a script something like that. And it's great having these scripts because the same thing happens every time. And, you know, when you're dialing for dollars, if you're on the phone, sometimes you just go brain dead. And all of a sudden it goes beep and you go, uh. Um, so let's say I've got that scripted message and I walk past Marie's desk and I hear her leaving a message. And I think that's not the message for to leave when someone orders the ebook. She's winging it. How come she's not using the message? So in my next one-on-one -on -one meeting, I'm not going to interrupt her right now because that's not really an emergency. But in my next one-on-one -on -one meeting, I'm going to make a note to talk to her about that process. I didn't see that you were following that script and that script is part of the process. Have you innovated it? Have you found that it's working better doing it a different way or did you forget that we had that script and we'll have a conversation about it? So those are some of the ways that you can make sure that people are following processes, and it is the responsibility of the manager of that department to do that. So are they achieving expectations? Are you seeing something different? We have a CRM application that has a lot of automation in it, and when someone signs up for a free trial of our software, they get an orientation meeting, which is offered. And the appointments that are calls to schedule that orientation. And we have clients in India, Australia, the UK. So time zones are crazy. And we use GoToMeeting for these online meetings. Well, once the appointment is set, there's a set of instructions that has to happen. The appointment needs to be set on one of our process engineers' calendars for the right time. The date and time uh, that the client will be getting to that meeting needs to be put in two fields on their record. An email gets triggered, and depending on how far in the future, there might be two emails that get triggered to remind them to show up for this meeting. Well, if she doesn't follow those instructions, that's not going to happen. So that's part of a process. So if we get a client complaint or if I happen to be looking, if it was me, they set up the appointment for me and they don't show up and I go to their record and I see that the date and time is not in those fields, I know that they weren't following the process. So there again is indication that the process isn't being followed and I would bring it up in a one-on-one -on -one meeting. What about if you're starting out, let's say you just started a medical center, a small medical practice, you've been running it for a little while and you don't have any real processes. How do you introduce these ideas without a bunch of people? I would think many people would be upset about, you know, now I have to do all this work or they worry about implementing these things. Oh, it's such a pain in the butt. How do you how do you introduce this in a positive way so that it doesn't cause complete chaos in the office? Right. Great question. We see business owners who have talked to a consultant or they've read a book. There's some great books out there. They all talk about the importance and value of processes. And so a business owner reads this book and he gets all excited and he walks down the hall and he says, Judy, I need you to write down everything you do. And... Well, she rolls her eyes and goes, oh, no, he's got another crazy idea again. What's happened is you got the context from the book, and you understand the value and importance of it. So you have to deliver that context to your people. You can't just go down and say, follow the process. You know, flying in an airplane is way safer than driving in a car because they have checklists. And their studies show that when they first started delivering these checklists, to pilots, 
they stopped using them because the pilot said, I don't need these. I'm much smarter. I'm too smart for a checklist. And then they started having accidents. And it wasn't until they actually started documenting that all of the accidents were a result of a simple thing that got left out of a checklist that pilots started to understand the context of the checklist. That it's, there's simple things, like I forgot to, to lift the lock off the this or when you're a small business and you're getting started and you're just delivering, you want to talk a little bit about what's in it for me as the employee. Why should I be following a process? Well, if you think about it, there are actually two stages because if I was being hired by your company and I go into the company, you know how nervous you are when you first get hired by a new company. And, you know, people have nightmares about starting a new job. Even for a month afterwards, they're just so overwhelmed with everything they have to do. And am I doing it right? Oh, I'm going to get fired. Imagine if I come into your company and you say, hey, Mike, we have a process for everything that I want you to do. We have expectations. If you follow these processes, you will get it. You will achieve your expectations. It's in your interest to follow the process because, number one, we're a process-driven company. Number two, it's going to make your job so much easier. And number three, you're going to make way more money because you're going to be able to get up to speed faster than you've ever been able to get up to speed before. If it's a brand new person coming in, that's a little bit different. Because now they understand the culture of the company. The culture of the company is that it's a process-driven company. And I come in, and this has been an amazing hiring process, which was very systematic and well-organized. And now I come in, and I sit down, and all these different people are training me. They're sounding really smart, and they're giving me all this documentation that I can fall back on. It's a great thing when you walk into a company for the first time, and they've got all their processes documented. It makes it really easy to get up to speed. But let's say that you've got a business and you've got four or five employees who have been there for 40 years and you've never had processes. And they say, I don't need these processes. We've been doing it this way for 40 years. I don't need processes. Well, I would say that they're not that wrong because what they're doing is a process. They've been doing it so long, it is a process. It's just not written down. So this is often an employee-by-employee employee situation, but you want to try to figure out what's the context. If I were in their shoes, what would make it worth it for me to have a process? If I'm a manager of a group of people, well, Mike, think of how much easier it's going to be to train a new person and get them up to speed. Think how much easier that's going to be for you. So that's what's in it for me as a manager. If I'm a front desk person and we're growing, I might be moving into a new position higher up in the organizational structure, and I'm going to be called on to actually train the new front desk person that's coming in. Think of how much easier it's going to be if I actually had a set of instructions to teach that person. So you just got to try to figure out what's in it for me and me being the employee that you're asking if they could follow processes. And you want to make it a conversation. You know, in some cases, it might be giving a manager the book, Built to Sell, so that they can understand the same message that you got from the book. We see this a lot where people just walk down the hall and say, write down everything you do. <laughs> and poor Judy's going, oh, my gosh, what's going on? But, yeah, so that, that's, a, that's a great question. And in a sense, you're not actually asking them to change because they are following a system. And again, if I'm doing something every day, whatever it is that I'm doing every day, greeting a patient, patients are coming into my office every day, I'm following a process. I don't actually have to go to a set of instructions and do it. I've been doing it for 20 years. You know, I've gone through 10,000 patients. I know how to do this. 
So the question then is, well, if it's working, then why do I need a process? Well, maybe it's just, can you help me? Because when you leave, here's an example, my appointment setter, she said to me, uh, this was about two months after she got hired, she said, you know, do you use LinkedIn? To, for lead generation. And I sort of sheepishly said, well, I've got a LinkedIn account, but I don't really know how to use LinkedIn. And she said, well, with a previous employer, we had a really valuable, really good process for mining LinkedIn for leads. Would you like me to do it for you? The typical business owner says, yeah, go for it. And then Marie leaves six months later, and I just lost my LinkedIn lead generation program because it was in her head. She was doing it. What I did is I said, yeah, Marie, I'd love it if you did that, but can you write it down? And can you teach it to me as if I needed to do it so that I understand it? It's the difference between abdication and delegation. In this instance, what I did is I delegated it. I said, I, yeah, I don't know how to do it. Write it down. Teach it to me so that I understand it and I know what is to be expected. Abdication would be, yeah, go for it. This is great. And six months later, we're getting you know 40 leads a month, and that's really great. And then she gets offered a better job and leaves, and I just lost that process. So sometimes there are processes in people's minds that I needed her help to get it documented because I didn't know how to do it. So I might have a front office person who's been greeting clients for 20 years, but I'm a doctor. I don't know. What do you do? I'm asking her for her help, and I'm not making a demand on her. I'm asking her for help. So sometimes that works too, but it's really employee-specific and position-specific, and it changes. And sometimes you're going to have crotchety old guys. You know, we have uh, manufacturing guys and warehouses, and they've got these, you know, 65-year-old guys who have been with the company for 42 years, and there's no way you're going to get them to run a process. And that's okay. You know, that's okay. Maybe they can assist in some way by just talking about it. And you can go through and say, well, Sam, what do you do next? And then what do you do? And, or you can just watch him to create the process yourself. But it's a great question. I think it's employee-specific and situationally specific. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Please subscribe to be notified of all new episodes. And also like and share this to help us grow. To find out more about this speaker, become a speaker on our show, to have Dr. Carter present at your event or podcast, learn more about coaching, consulting, tissue allographs, exosomes, supplements, legal help, or how to create a million-dollar business card to dominate your local area, we're here to help you. Just text your name and your question to 561-962-1231. Write that down. That's 561-962-1231. Or you can go to our website at drrosscarter.com. That's D-R-R-O-S-S-C-A-R-T-E-R.com to learn more. Until next time, this is Dr. Ross Carter signing off. Signing off.